Hello, I'm your host, Grayson Brolty. Welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today, a show about emerging technology and trends in mobility with leaders and innovators who make it all happen. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to be joined by Tammy Meehan Russell, President and Chief Catalyst at the Plum Catalyst, and Myrna Peterson, Founder and Co-Chair of Mobility Mania. On this episode, we'll continue the Go Marty conversation, diving into the rider and community experience with a focus on accessibility. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Grayson. This has been a long time coming, and I'm excited to have you here today because AVs are going to play an important mix in the future of transportation. They are going to complement transportation. They're not going to replace transportation. And what we're seeing really great success and strides with Go Marty's doing, creating value in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, which is really impressive. And frankly, it's awesome. Myrna, what motivated you to bring the change to the transportation network in Grand Rapids, Minnesota? I am uh, in a wheelchair myself, and we just don't see people in wheelchairs socially out at any events. And so we don't even have an accessible taxi for evenings and weekends. And it's extremely expensive to hire a medical transport vehicle for a social event. Uh, For instance, it costs $25.50 to get in the vehicle, $2.25 a mile, $20 an hour wait time while you're at, at the event for a couple of hours, another $25.50 to get back in, and then $2.25 a mile. So it's about $10 for transportation perhaps, but it's $91 if you're in a wheelchair. And so uh, in order to get more people out, we needed to find an accessible and affordable way to transport people evenings and weekends when most of the social events happen. It's a ripoff. It's it's a disgrace. So you're sitting there, you got to pay twenty five fifty to start. You got to pay two twenty five a mile, $20 for wait time. You can start being and, and fill in the rest there. That's really what it is. Most of the people in assisted livings or nursing homes only get to keep about a $110 a month. So they've used it all for transportation without doing anything. And so it's really a hardship for people in those situations. Why was this like this? What what caused this imbalance in this, uh, you use the word, gouging situation? It's just because of the liability and the licensing that people with those kind of vehicles have. And medical transport, you have insurance that can come or cover some of those costs. But for social events, that's not covered under any insurances. So that's paid out of pocket to cover the extra training that the driver has to have, the liability and the cost of the vehicle itself is expensive. So it's more than an able-bodied person needs to cover. It's market imbalance. It's, it's morally and ethically wrong. I repeat, that's morally and ethically wrong. Tammy, you have this ridiculous messed up situation in, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. How did the opportunity to improve this transportation to make it equitable to or if minor wants to go out to dinner or to visit a friend, it's it's, it's not going to break the bank? How did this come on your radar? Yeah, and I'll just say it's not just Grand Rapids. This is a problem that we see almost everywhere, frankly, nationally, um, in any rural community, if you look at the demographics of a rural community. So what Myrna's explaining is not just something that happens in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, but I can tell you about the opportunity that was put in front of me with Grand Rapids uh, and how we ended up with Go Marty and bringing the project there. 
and we can kind of come back to the problem later or all sorts of other fun things associated with the project as well. But in this case, uh, it was actually the Minnesota Governor's Council uh, for Connected and Automated Vehicles, so a statewide council that was actually supported by the governor's office of which Myrna is on the council and is a member of that. And uh, I happened to be there that at one of those meetings, sitting next to uh, the deputy commissioner for the Iron Range. And he noted that the Iron Range had an interest in bringing in emerging technologies and supporting research and development in the region. And he said, if there's ever a Plum Catalyst partner, a tech partner that would be interested in coming to my region, you know, we would love to do that and support that. And so when May Mobility had asked me, had asked, you know, as the Plum Catalyst and helping them with planning a project, um, asked if we had a project location in Minnesota, I picked up the phone and called back the commissioner and said, what do you think? Is this something of interest? And um, Myrna having have her have her on that council as well as living there was just the perfect match for everyone. We had automatically two significant champions in the region and and we were able to bring together this amazing group of partners um, very quickly. Myrna, you're you're sitting on on the governor's council, you're doing good work. Did you ever expect this to come out of that council seat? In my mind, it started for me when I was in eighth grade. In uh, 1962, while watching the Jetsons on TV, and that would have been a perfect way to take. I had a quadriplegic brother at that time, and he loved to go and do things. But back then, we were still carrying him in and out of places. And I told my dad, I said, "See, look, if I had one of those, I could just get in that, and I could take my brother Leon all over Tolly's vents." And he just said, oh, you're, you're, you're born way ahead of your time. Well, flash forward 50 years, and the autonomous self-driving vehicles were more than a cartoon. I worked with community members and experts in the field to find solutions to our shortage of evening and weekend affordable and accessible transportation. And then, like Tammy said, I was appointed to the 2018 Minnesota, or the Connected and Automated Vehicles, and also to our Minnesota Governor's Council on Disability. And so I was excited to receive a call from Tammy in November of 2019 to explore the possibilities of bringing a self-driving vehicle project right here to Grand Rapids. Tammy, you made Myrna's Jetson's dream vision come true as you helped secure the funding for the Go Marty project. Getting funding's hard, getting funding from a government's even harder. How did you do it? Yeah, that is a wonderful question. Thanks, Grayson. Um, and I'm trying to figure how you fit that into a quick answer in a podcast. But I'll just <laughs> I'll try to quick summarize it and say it was an entire development strategy that we as a team had to come up with. Um, my approach and the planning, especially for a technology like this, was for the entire program. Um, when you're talking about an emerging tech. The entire program really needs to be community-led. This could not be a tech push. This could not be pushed by the state. This needed to be something the community could get behind and really support and therefore lead. And so as the planner, I was really just helping with the quarterbacking and identifying champions. And then the funding strategy that we used was to keep it community-led 
50% of the funding or less was going to come from the state. The rest of it was going to come from local funding partners um, who shared in the remaining 50%. And so with that, we were able to get funding from the city of Grand Rapids, a huge champion obviously providing the location for the pilot, but also some funding um, and support the Blandon Foundation, which is a wonderful foundation there locally, um, and the Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation, as well as the county. Um, we also have a lot of other partners like Myrna, who do a lot of in-kind support to help us. And then as we're doing the pilot, we also pursue other research efforts um, with the University of Minnesota and understanding kind of what's been the history, how did we get here, and how do we keep it going forward? And so the Humphrey School has been really supportive in that with our researcher, Frank Doma, and some of his um, graduate students helping us. You said it was very important to be community-led. So you have, let's say, more or less 50% of funding from the local community. You have a partnership with the University of Minnesota. Are students at the University of Minnesota and the Humphrey School, are they getting involved in, in, in doing the research, learning about autonomy and the ways that it's going to impact society, Tammy? Yes, they're definitely getting involved in, um, they've been involved from the beginning. I should say they're not even getting involved. Frank has been instrumental. Frank Duma has been instrumental long before I even entered the project. Frank came into the community and started some community listening sessions with Myrna, um, with the Blandon Foundation to really understand he did a, a bit of a statewide effort with the Center for Transportation Studies at the university, and they visited Grand Rapids, Fergus Falls, some other communities throughout the state to understand transportation challenges. And Grand Rapids was one of those communities the university went into over 10 years ago. Myrna, what were those early community listening sessions was it like? It was like, this is not the Jetsons, we're not here yet, or is it, yes, we want this technology. What were those early listening sessions like? We started back in, I think it was around 2012, when Frank came up with the Blandon Foundation, looking for solutions for evening and weekend transportation, which seemed to be the most need, especially accessible transportation, but also for community events. And so we had a number of organizations there attending those meetings. And then when the self-driving vehicles, when the autonomous came up, once he had that kind of captive audience, he reached out to me and said, could you bring in some of the big players like the county, like the law enforcement, like the city, like Bannon Foundation, the community foundation, could you bring them and any legislators that might be interested? And so then he first exposed our community to the idea of autonomous technology. And it was helpful because there happened to be a gentleman there from NPR. He just wanted to find out what I was doing driving my wheelchair all over town. And he wanted to follow me down to meeting that day. And when I told him what it was about, he said, oh, do you mind if I stick around for the meeting? And pretty soon his interview went from me to Frank Duma on the autonomous vehicles, and it showed up nationally about speaking about autonomous vehicles. And that was probably around 2017, right before the Governor's Council for Connected and Automated Vehicles position was available. And Frank was the one that said, Myrna, we need you on that council. And so it just one thing led to the other. There was a need in the community to be filled and, you know, the right people just happen to show up at the right time. 
Murray, you're, you're taking a, com- a community leadership role. You're doing really great in the community. You mentioned drive your wheelchair all over town. I want to add some context for our listeners. You don't drive it, Murray. You basically go halfway across the country. You average 1,200 miles a year in your, in your wheelchair. I repeat, 1,200 miles a year in your wheelchair. How the heck do you do that? Well, I love my independence. Almost 28 years ago now, I became quadriplegic from a serious auto accident. The 1,200 miles, one thing I, you know, the expression, stupid is as stupid does. Well, it's sort of like that because my independence <laughs> makes me get, I want to get there and see what's happening. I uh, tell everyone I have one thumb that works and a mouth that won't quit. So I just find people that will help me with my passion. And this one just happened to do that. Go Marty literally gets me off the street in bad weather. So it was a solution to, you know, I, I keep well lit up when I'm out at night. But, um, you know, if it's raining or snowing, it's not really safe for me to be out there. But it usually doesn't stop me. So, yeah. It just works. How is, besides the, the inclement weather, how has the Go Marty Thomas Vehicle Service impacted your mobility? Are you able to go more places now? Are you experiencing more? I'm assuming your miles on your wheelchair are, are going down because you have a, another form of transportation, but how is it overall impacting your transportation needs? It's been great because it really is much safer. People like it better when they see me in a closed vehicle rather than out with a parka and a, you know, headset and goggles on. So it does allow me to get places more safely. You know, there's some places that it can't go. And that's one thing that I would like to uh, features that different stops to different places that, you know, eventually if we get more funding that we can do, or the beauty of a research project is that, well, we got to find out what works and what doesn't. And it's been very successful in identifying certain problems and then trying to find solutions. So it's been great that way. Timmy, what Myrna's describing is independence. She has her independence back again. She doesn't have to suffer in climate weather to get where she wants. Myrna's one great example of how the community is using it. How are others in the community using it? And how are they viewing the deployment of GoMart? Are they excited? Yes, please add more stops. What is that like? The community has been so accepting and so excited about this project in general. It's been really fun and positive to watch that. We have had, I believe we're at over 1,500 rides so far um, since we launched on October 5th through our media day, official launch day. Those numbers do continue to rise with an average rating of about 4.9 in the service for the stars um, in the app. And we have that a lot of that growth in ridership is really due to the grassroots efforts from people like Myrna, getting out there, talking to the community. We have other community members who are helping us with those grassroots efforts, um, including a local call center who's doing so much more than just being a call center. And so a lot of those riders are really just in-person conversations or they hear about it from someone else word of mouth. And the community is just, in general, really, really supportive. And I would say when we go talk to the city about anything they hear, including any issues, it's fairly quiet, which is a good thing. The operation is very much just accepted in the community now. Um, People are used to seeing these vehicles driving around um, and being available if they want to choose to try it out. 
okay, I gotta ask, fifteen hundred rides. How the who's the power user? Has the power user emerged? Obviously, Myrna's a power user, but are there other? Is it perhaps a high school student or an individual working someone that doesn't want to drive to work? Have you seen a, a usage base of power users that has emerged? One of the users that I wasn't anticipating ahead of time are middle school and high school kids, and uh, it's to get from school to uh, uh, to Target, to the Y, to the the youth centers around, or just to fill that gap of some place to go between after school and an event that might be happening at night. You know what that does. Many parents have said, "Wow, has that ever been nice? I don't have to worry about how my kid is getting." somewhere after school or what they're doing because they have a safe and affordable means of transportation. So that's been great. Anyone 12 and over can use it independently. So that's been a using group that that I wasn't thinking about ahead of time. But yeah, a lot of the older people are still cautious and they see me getting in and I say, you know, why don't you take a ride with me one? Well, you know, I'll, I'll just wait. Crazy, and I think one of the things to highlight there is, as Myrna said, is they're getting, they're starting to come around, especially as they see Myrna riding it. But we have literally watched the evolution of public perception moving into awareness and trust from some of those riders, especially those that might be um, older, differently abled, that wouldn't otherwise have had an opportunity to experience the technology ever. And they see it and they're very leery at first. Um, and, and then they might be able to try it out or get a little closer, learn a little bit more, move right into riding it and loving it and even being an advocate of the project. We've actually literally watched that happen in front of our eyes sometimes with some of these riders. That's going to be the fun part because when it, when we scale that nationally and eventually globally, it starts with, oh, I'm nervous. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, I'm bored. Okay, we, we succeeded. It's boring. And then it's reliable. Mission accomplished. You're getting from to your destination safely. Tammy, uh, Myrna said that the Target, the, the, the YMCA, the Senior Center, what impact did the local community have in, in picking the routes and the stops? Was that all outsourced to the community? Say, we really want to go here. We really want to go here. Perhaps there's a great bakery in town. Everybody wants to go there. Was that a community-led effort? Absolutely. Yes. As a part of creating uh, the Go Marty operation zone or the operating zone where the shuttles operate, as well as the hours of operation, we wanted to listen to the community to see how they would use something like this. So we held prior to finalizing the map and the hours um, we held a couple of, or actually three community listening sessions um, where we went out to three different locations in the community, um, three different types of rider groups that were touched on in those. Uh, and so we worked with the business community. We went to a senior living community and we went to the county who does a lot of support services. And so we listened to them and how they would use this Go Marty service for the operation. And they... Um, shared with us their request for hours as well as the stops that they would most use and so that's really how we got to where we are today and we continue to evaluate the usage of the stops and the usage of the operation because we will have an opportunity for one 
shift iteration, and I don't want to say even hours probably will stay the same, but one shift in how the stops are placed, where they're located, how we're using it. Nothing of significance can change just because we don't have the funding to do that, but we do have agreement that we could make some minor changes here one time. I hope you have a stop at Myrna's house already, because that, that should be your number one stop. Right across? It's very close. I just have to go across, <laughs> but it's really close, yes. There you go. Tammy, from an accessibility standpoint, was accessibility built into the project on on day one? Or how did you go about incorporating accessibility so Myrna and other individuals had no problem using this service and they're not like, they didn't have to go lobby or advocate for it. You built it in from day one. 100%. It was absolutely one of the primary goals of the project from day one or making sure GoMarty is accessible for all is one of our four goals of the project. And so we knew we needed to bring accessibility requirements to the forefront from day one um, to truly make an impact in the community. Uh, as we've said, Myrna has been such a huge champion on this. So we wanted to make sure that we work with alongside Myrna and other community members who otherwise wouldn't have access to transportation and really figure out how we can make something of value for them and create learnings for the industry in general on how you create an accessible operation. So we made sure GoMarty was accessible by putting a few requirements in place up front. The first one was it needed to be free to ride. So our funding needed to be able to offer free rides. So the financial requirement was removed, um, making that accessible. We wanted to make sure that differently abled or people with physical challenges could I would say most notably those in wheelchairs could access the shuttles. So that required that our operation had at least a majority of shuttles with wheelchair accessibility or ADA wheelchair compliance. Um, and the main mobility team really delivered on that. We have three of the five shuttles being ADA wheelchair accessible. And then it needed to be accessible for those who might not have access to be able to use a smartphone. And so with that, we've hired a local call center. First Call 211 is a nonprofit call center, and they really have stepped up to provide the call center as well as engagement in the community. And then finally, the route itself has over 70 stops, approximately 70. Um, the operating zone is over 17 square miles. It is not a circulator. So the shuttles don't stop at all 70 of those. But the number of stops is are pre-programmed and um, we've installed signs at those stops. So people who use the call center or who are specifically looking for where the shuttle will be pre-programmed to stop, they know exactly where that is when they arrive. And we created so many of those as a part of this to make it more accessible so people don't have to travel as far to get to where the shuttle will stop and drop them off off or pick them up. We're also continuing to gather data on the accessibility in snow and winter for those stop locations, those on and off points. So hopefully we can learn and even improve for next winter. Being an 18-month pilot, that was one of the goals was we'd have two winters so we could gather a lot of data and improve on the accessibility for next winter. You operate in the snow. You're operating in 17 square miles, 70 stops. That's a very ambitious deployment. Myrna, if it, Myrna, I'm sitting here, if I'm a resident of Grand Rapids, either I'm a, f a father of a student in the school or I'm a teacher in the school, I say, okay, learning opportunity, let's take advantage of this learning opportunity, we'll take STEM to a whole different level. You mentioned middle school students and high school students, 12 and over, are, are riding in the vehicles. Is the local education community, the board of education, the local school community, seeing, okay, Go Marty's a major learning tool here? 
Absolutely, yes. I'm a education, I'm an educator, retired from that field now, but that's a strong focus of my passion for this because it does allow opportunities for workforce development, career development, career pathways for our kids. We've had students involved in designing the fixtures that are placed along rural roads that do not have an identifiable image for the vehicle to, it operates on, on the technology that it needs to locate vehicles to their cameras. And our students in the high school industrial tech classes help design those. There are opportunities in the summer for our kids for camps that came to last summer and Tammy has a bunch more planned for this summer. But just opening the door for our, some of our engineer students at the community college our operators, and um, it's just beginning to open up a whole nother world of curiosity and um, vision for other ways to get kids to become involved in an industry that's new and progressive and also with the hope of bringing other industries here to Grand Rapids so that our kids can stay here and not have to move away for future careers. They could have their Jetsons moment. You had your Jetsons moment in 1962. They can have their Jetsons moment here in 2023 because of what you're doing. Absolutely. It's just a real eye-opener. And the interest of of my own grandkids who are younger than 12 living here is just like, wow, how did those work, Grandma? You know, the whole experience of AI is so alive right now and so intriguing for even me at my age, but I would love to be back in the classroom and be able to explore the creativity behind AI and you know the GoMartys of the world and what it does for my accessibility, just to my own wheelchair, all of the intriguing things and creativity out there for young learners. The young learner gets in the vehicle, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> They're they're sitting there, in the in the future. And in Tammy, so you look at what Myron's talking about with the local schools and the community. It opens up the workforce development pipeline. Perhaps it's a they can go on to a vocational education where they can learn to develop these new technologies. Because we need a workforce for the future technology. We're seeing the struggles that Intel's having in Ohio with their foundries. They're building these multi billion dollar foundries to onshore semiconductors, but they can't hire the talent. And that, that's going to play a big issue. What is the Plum Catalyst doing around workforce development? So as the Go Marty Project scales, perhaps you scale to other parts of the state or to, to other states, that there's talent there from a workforce standpoint. Yes, definitely agree, Grayson. Workforce development is a huge topic in this industry, and it needs to be, honestly. So my team provides partners and our clients um, with strategy and training supporting, like, how do you break this down? How do you approach workforce development? Um, Because it it is such a huge topic. And it is a long-term effort for all of us to get on board with. So we kind of define it in a framework that's three pillars. And so we are really rolling out a couple of exciting things under this framework. One of them is officially called our Plum Mobility Labs, and I'll explain a little bit more about one of that 
one of those things, but that really gets into inspiring next generation. As you said, how do you get to these students K-12 while they're middle school, high school, or, you know, maybe even elementary school. Um, and so we strive to inspire the next generation of transportation technology leaders um, and those who will get really excited, as Myrna said, on this, this you know, have their Jetsons moment. And so we want to do that through innovative programming work we call Mobility 101. So we introduced just what is future mobility, a 101 session. And we did that last summer with some of the campers at Minnesota North, which um, has an Itasca campus right there in Grand Rapids. So we were able to give the campers an overview of GoMarty, show them some really interesting technology, as well as just the industry in general. And then we also sponsor student competitions. Um, and in the case of GoMarty, we also hired the students to do the fixtures project, um, where they were able, as Myrna said, to build those fixtures along the route for the shuttles to be able to localize. On rural roads, it's kind of a big deal that you need some localization. And so students were able to learn about the tech while they delivered us the fixtures on the route. I think the next area is upskilling and reskilling. So looking at our current workforce that are out there, and um, so we can create strategy overviews and even new college programming and opportunities um, for people to experience jobs who are already outside of school and they look to get into this industry. So there are customized training programs and partnerships. And so in this case, GoMarty has hired over 20 autonomous vehicle operators right there from Grand Rapids. Those are generally part-time roles as well as a few full-time roles working for May Mobility. And there's just a lot of great opportunity for upskilling, reskilling in this industry when you can introduce a project like GoMarty in a community. And finally, just like we saw with GoMarty in the early days, introducing innovative partnerships. You have to bring together the people who are providing the training, those training partners, the people who are the employers, the tech companies. And then guess what? We also have to identify funding to create these programs. So identifying those funding sources who are interested in doing that, kind of bringing everyone together is really, you know, the magic. Tim, you, you, you created 20 local jobs in Grand Rapids, Minnesota in the autonomous vehicle industry. That's a success. It's, it's basically changed Myrna's life. You've got 1,500 rides since you launched. Are there plans to scale Go Marty to other parts of the state of Minnesota? Uh, well, I would say unknown right now, but we do have plans to share a lot of what we've learned. We are launching what are called Smart Rural Seminars this fall. Um, and so Smart Rural, it'll include two seminars this year. Um, and oddly enough, it's coming to Grand Rapids, Minnesota first. So we can highlight Go Marty for the attendees of those seminars. And it really is a workforce development effort in and of itself where we're training other community leaders from not only Minnesota, but we're going to allow, we're going to open it up nationally. So it could be regional community leaders. It could be even others from outside the region. And they can come and learn about how we approached GoMarty, how you identify the right technology for their community. How do you identify funding and look at policies, all sorts of exciting stuff coming, as well as highlighting the stories of the community members who are most impacted by a project like GoMarty. So um, we are launching those to hopefully to help educate and train other community leaders to be able to do projects like this. Storytelling is a gift. Storytelling what's going to allow you to get more funding. Storytelling is what's going to allow you to scale. Myrna, GoMarty has been a huge success. The demand is there. It's having a positive impact on the community. It's creating jobs. It's inspiring the next generation. In your opinion, what is the future of the GoMarty project? 
Well, for me, it answers the question why. And my dad taught me early on, uh, before you do anything, you need to figure out your why. You know, why you're doing this. Well, for me, able-bodied people can get a driver's license. I cannot. There's many people who cannot. So for me, GoMarty answers the question why. Why are we spending this money on the technology? It's because I can't drive like the majority of the population can. So for me, GoMarty is a great option for people of all abilities and all ages to experience affordable and accessible transportation to places which will provide them a better quality of life. To me, everyone deserves that quality of life. And the future is um, in things like Go Marty. Go Marty. Tammy, what's your opinion on the future of Go Marty? Uh, well, I am the internal optimist. You know, the sky is plumb in my world, right? So um, I think the my opinion of the future is we will identify, continue to identify opportunities for future funding sources to be able to keep it going and be able to continue to expand and learn. We did apply for federal funding and, and are optimistic that we will get some federal funding to keep it going and keep expanding and learning. I will say that, you know, I think the biggest thing for me in the future of GoMarty is taking the learnings and showing the industry and other community leaders how you can bring an emerging technology in for good um, and not just being like for good as in the long term, but for an impact, a huge social impact, as Myrna said, um, improving people's lives is really how we need to address emerging technologies. It's not just technology for the sake of a fun new tech, but it's bringing it in um, to improve a quality of life. And you always have to stay positive because if you're positive, really good things will happen. And we're seeing this a lot of positivity coming out of the Go Marty project. And Tammy, as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, what would you like the listeners to take away with them today? I think I would love to just make sure to share that the Go Marty project provides such a huge opportunity for everyone to learn but it really takes a village. It really, really takes a number of champions, both grassroots champions like Myrna um, and a number of others that I wish we could you know, get in front of you, Grayson, and you could talk to all of them, but it really takes a village at the community level, at the regional level, at the state level. And so I think that's the biggest thing for people to understand about a project like Go Marty. This did not happen overnight. It's a village. It takes a village, but when you have a village behind you, really great things happen. Myrna, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today? Well, I would echo that definitely about the village. We are so fortunate. Grand Rapids is a progressive thinking community that wants to make things happen. We are a growing, aging population. People want to come here for the lakes and the trees, but also for the arts and hockey and basketball and all of the, the sports. So it's it's a wonderful blend in our community that allows a great quality of life. And I just think that there's no end to the future. Of course, we're looking at funding to expand, but first you need that village that cooperatively works together for fun new adventures. So, you know, dream big and then you... Just wait for the right people to fall on the right timeline, and then you make a plan and get her done. And that's what we—that's what's working here. 
I'll summarize what Myrna said. Dream big and make things happen. Today is tomorrow. Tomorrow is today. The future is go Marty. Tammy, Myrna, thank you so much for coming in SAE tomorrow today. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks, Grayson. Thank you for listening to SAE tomorrow today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as we speak with Sipius Talkashipo, who will discuss their innovative driver and occupancy monitoring systems. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.